You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. to the Piper Carter podcast. You are listening to Piper Carter. It is August the 31st. This is the 78th episode. Um, and I'm here with my co-host. What up, Brittany? What's up, Piper Carter? I'm good. Hey, peace. Yeah. So I'm here with uh, the lovely Brittany March and uh, Deja Gray, also known as Katori. Um, it's been a minute since we've been, uh, recording. Time has been, I don't know, time has been interesting, uh, post COVID or during COVID or whatever stage of this we are. Um, so how have you both been? Um, maybe I'll start with you, Deja. How's life been for you over the last uh, couple weeks or so? Um, my life has been pretty busy with work, like, Everyone has been coming in since the school year is about to start. So it's our, it's like one of the busiest times of the year. So we are super busy and I'm whooped. And then like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with like the universe or whatever, but my cycle just like whooped my butt this time around. <laughs> it's just been weird. I don't know. The energy has been weird. I don't know, but I'm I'm okay. What about you, Brittany? Oh, we lost Brittany for a minute. We'll have to wait for her to come back on. Um, so I How guess are you doing? me, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I have been. I know. I'm sorry. I'm having some uh, technical difficulties. It keeps uh, canceling me out of the Zoom. But I heard your question before. Yeah, so uh, disconnected let's, let's me. Go to you right quick. Just uh, what have you been doing the last couple of weeks? How have you been doing? I've been doing cool. Just uh, to Deja's point, like things are kind of, as far as like uh, getting back to normal for work, is just starting to speed back up. So a lot of attention has been going into work, and that's really it. Just trying to enjoy the last bit of summer and be out in the sun and still be safe, and you know how it goes. Yeah. How about you? I was just saying for me, um, I know when we first started, I told y'all I had started embarked on this gardening journey uh mid early early July. And so now here we are about to be September and I'm ready to harvest. I have a lot of great um vegetables in my garden that I'm gonna be chomping on. For the month of August, I actually um, did a 30-day fast for Black August. 
in commemoration of our uh, political prisoners. And so tomorrow, well, I'll be off my fast. I can eat. So I'll be harvesting and um, making some some great recipes, you know, from what I from what I have. So it's been an interesting journey learning about gardening. Um, I've discovered that I have remembered some things from growing up with gardens with my grandmothers. And then also I realized um, that I'm just learning some things about because I'm growing in raised beds. And so I'm just learning how to um, cultivate from seed, grow from transplant, about soil, about watering, about materials. Um, I just finally got some mulch today. So the garden's going to start looking a certain way. So I'm just excited. I'm excited about being self-determined. We always talk about getting off the grid. So this is helping me um, secure my food, grow my own food. Um, yeah, so just very excited about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it. I'll put the period that's, there. That's exciting, right? Yeah. I stopped by on, what was that, Saturday to take a look. It's looking really good. Like, it's looking really nice. Like, I love how, um, you got different things and how you have it situated. And I also like what you're growing as well. Like, you're growing, you know, a lot of green leaf lettuces, um, green things that are green and then you got the squash that's growing too right oh what else yeah. are you growing let's see what i'm growing i'm growing broccoli um mustard greens collard greens turnip greens um two types of kale um squash snow peas lettuce spinach carrots um two types of basil peppers some dill um some cilantro and uh, onions and um uh, some fennel and then um i am well i'm setting up so that in october i'm gonna start growing some garlic and so uh just getting everything all together got to get a couple of beds for that can you uh can you talk to people about uh like garlic and how it's able to grow later in the season yeah i mean so people you know you gotta look at what zone you're in um far as like the usda has set up a system of numbers and according to where you are um in the climate you know, is, is like your growing zone. And so I'm in Detroit and we are in zone number six. And so if you look at zone six, you'll see all the um, trees, herbs, vegetables, fruits, flowers, plants, weeds that you can grow. And, um, you know, there's like a growing guide. Also, if you get the farmer's almanac and you can look and see like, what you could grow, you know, in each time of the year. And so garlic is one of those crops that uh, is grown more in the cooler. It prefers like the cooler temperatures. And so, you know, each, each plant has its own time that it likes to germinate. And, you know, when it, it, different plants, like different uh, temperatures, different 
types of soil, whether it's alkaline soil or acidic soil, you have to, I mean, gardening, I love it because I'm just learning so much. Um, and then you can do different things to your soil to, uh, like, like it depends, right? Like some plants like it more alkaline, some like it more acidic. And so there's different things you can add to your soil, you know, if, or you can, uh, cultivate your own soil, um, through creating compost. Um, the main thing though with growing is it all starts with your soil. So you got to look at what it is that you want to grow and what type of soil you need. And, um, the reason I'm growing in the raised beds is because I didn't get a soil test and I live in a rather industrial sort of neighborhood with a lot of, um, factories and things like that, not too far. And so, um, I, I, I wasn't sure about going like directly into the ground because I hadn't had my soil test. So I'm actually growing everything above ground in, um, in raised beds, you know, for my health and my safety. But yeah, so October is the time, uh, during, uh, in zone six, when you start on your garlic. And so, um, I'm also going to be winterizing, uh, two of my raised beds by building, um, hoop houses around them. Um, so that I can extend my growing season. So I'm looking forward to that too. Yeah, that'll be exciting to try out too. Yeah. And I have enough food that I can share, you know? That's what's really, really cool. And then I started getting the block club going too. Um, I told y'all it's been, it's been difficult because, you know, my neighborhood's divested from, right? and mm -hmm. it's not organized and so my neighbors don't know each other we don't have programs around here we don't you know they close down the hospital the high school the community center um they you know they close down a lot of businesses um there's a lot of crime around here they use my neighborhood to do a lot of dumping and so morale in my neighborhood is very low um when i went to the um, district manager, um, I was trying to find a block club to join and the district manager was like, there isn't any around you for like five or six miles. And I was like, man, so I really didn't want to, I kept looking, looking, looking. So I, last year I finally decided to register my block club. So over the last year, I've done like a community cleanup. I've just been going up and down the block saying hi to people. Um, recently, I brought in a couple of groups to do some door-to-door. -door. I'm going to be bringing in more groups to do more door-to-door -door just to get resources to people um, and hear from folks. And then I recently, this past Sunday, did door-to-door -door with uh, the youth from ENIAC um, just passing out uh, information to community. And before that, um, I met a couple neighbors who, um, are really hold, have been holding down the neighborhood. One of them grew up on this block. It's his parents' home and he lives there now. We're, we're both members of the African Center community. He's a teacher. He, he has a couple of kids and he, um, he teaches like camping and living outdoors and gardening, farming, um, and math and stuff like that. And then 
the other one, the other person, she's been purchasing homes in the neighborhood and she's told me she's purchased about 50 homes and redone them just uh, to keep the integrity of the neighborhood. And so there's other people in the neighborhood who care, who help pay for um, the grass to get cut and all types of stuff like that. So my goal is in the next couple weeks to have a meeting with the the people that I've gotten their phone numbers and stuff and just um, just start to do things that our neighbors want. Like uh, we need a speed bump. Um, we have a lot of little kids on our block, so so we want to get a speed bump. Um, I want to get a sign that just names our block club when you enter. I want to, um, on the corner, we discussed turning that empty lot into a farmer's market and then finding some land really close where community members can uh, grow food together and you know, make money off the produce together. Um, and then just have like, you know, different things, you know, come into the neighborhood to like help and support people, you know, information on how to uh, avoid evictions, how to um, support with paying your DTE bill, support with paying your phone bill, your water bill, your, you know, keeping up your property taxes, you know what I mean? So, um it's just that, you know, in my neighborhood, you know, people are really actually uh, are surviving. You know what I mean? Um, kudos to them. But just want to, um, I'd like to have a healthier neighborhood where people aren't just surviving, you know, where they're thriving. So it's going to take a minute. Um, the lady down the street, I discovered she's an elder. She has a block club too. And everyone's like, y'all should join forces. And then when I, I, I contacted her to try to connect with her like, hey, we could do community cleanups. Da, da, da. She was like, no, I have no interest in joining forces with anyone. I'm going to just take care of my block with my neighbors down here and um, don't worry about me. I'm like, um, okay. So, <laughs> so it's going to take a minute, you know, uh, uh, I've connected our block club to the neighborhood association, to the block club association, there's another like um, association with like the district um, and just, you know, keep us informed of what's going on in the community so that we can um, be a part of building up our community, you know? So that's it. I'll put like a period there. Well, I was, I was going to say Piper that um, it sounds like it's a process, but when we talk about the things that we can do, like on an everyday base, like on an every hour base, it's like make, you know, our surroundings better. That's the start. You know, we always talk about that. So it's cool to just hear you talk about your gardening, hear you talking about, you know, meeting your neighbors and, you know, it's all a process, but it's a process that I think is very enjoyable when you're doing it. And you know what I mean? It's, it's a pay it forward type thing. It's you planting the seeds, no point, you know, pun intended, but you know, that's really what you're doing. So that's cool. Yeah. Oh. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Well, let's get into this. Uh, let's get into the, some of this news. I don't know if you wanted to go first, Deja, or if you wanted to go, Brittany. Oh, uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, I was going to ask you guys like how you're feeling. It seems like, you know, since COVID, most of what we've been talking about is, 
you know, the political atmosphere, police reform, and, you know, the shootings and the protesting. And here we are again, meeting again, what, two or three weeks later. And, you know, more things are happening. So I just wanted to ask you guys how you felt, like how you were feeling on the inside. I'm still frustrated by everything that's going on. I mean, I know nothing's going to change, at least not right now, but I don't know. It's still irritating. It's still very irritating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What about you, Brittany? I mean, um, it's, it's, there's a lot that's going on. Like, uh, you know, people are actively trying to figure things out through media. You're seeing, like, in the NBA, they're trying different tactics. People are, you know, doing different things in the neighborhoods. Uh, athletes are starting to seem to wake up or at least speak to it. Uh, so are celebrity, certain celebrities. But then on the other hand, there's still things that are distractions that are going on. And then, you know, the political atmosphere is completely heating up. And, um, you know, kids are going back to school. It's just a lot. Like Deja said, it's a lot going on. Like earlier when she was just talking about it, the energy is just like really weird because is so much going on not to mention like we're in the middle of a pandemic so you know i'm solid thankfully you know what i mean like i have no complaints but at the same time it is frustrating to seem to be on a hamster wheel you know like you know mm -hmm. you have to be very strong-minded to understand that you know like we said with the planting of the seeds like you have to have hope and true belief that things are going to change but it's so frustrating like for it not to be changing in front of you, especially, you know, what, you know, we've witnessed earlier in the year, you know, shoot, earlier in the summer, I should say. So I don't wouldn't have feelings, but I am observing that, like, a lot of, a lot of stuff is going on and the energy is something else. Mm -hmm. I guess, like, for me, because I'm so involved in a lot of the organizing and activism, I feel really good um, just because I feel like being involved in the activism actually helps me with my mental health. Mm -hmm. um, I know how to be involved in activism and not like go overboard with like you know doing too much um i have at times been super invested where i've spent majority of my time just giving 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 but i have learned at this point in my life how to balance things out so you know um doing more self-care doing more um taking care of myself my family doing more things around my home. Those are things that help feed me and things that help uh, regenerate me. And so also being involved in activism is a way to that I feel, I wanna say in control, even though I know that there's these issues and things that are like way bigger than myself, but it feels like I'm being a part of the solution or various solutions in concert with others and so the burden doesn't feel as heavy to me and then knowing all the brilliant people that are working on all these things 
and just seeing all of the solutions that are coming, not just from Detroit, but just like all over the world, actually, how more people are taking care of their homes, taking care of their health, um, taking care of their mental health, taking care of one another, like putting family first, like those kinds of things. But then I do look at the larger, you know, like political landscape and I see, I do think when I say we're winning, I'm, I'm talking about the folks on the left. I would say we're winning because the defund the police, um, ha, uh, uh, you know, statement has gotten more popular. More, more people are signing onto it. Um, more people are t talking about how they're going to vote. Even people who were saying like they weren't going to vote, like this election, it looks as though more people will, will be voting. Not that voting is like the end all be all either. Cause we could do a whole show on that. Um, but it just looks like more people are invested and involved in either like building up their community, fighting against the police, protesting, um, working for better policies, challenging politicians, learning more about how the system works and then creating solutions, um, community-based solutions that work for others like community-owned solar and food co-ops and mutual aid, uh, you know, networks. And there's just so much great stuff that's going on too, like people resisting against the system and people building up sustainable systems that work for people. So I feel like all of that like keeps me fed and keeps me inspired um, while all this other stuff is going on. So um, I don't know if that answered your question or not. Oh, it did a hundred percent. Like, like I said, like um, we talk a lot about this stuff, but it's just happening so much that I think it's important for people to know how we're doing, you know what I mean? Because sometimes we don't take the time to really um, reflect because we're in the middle of it, which is totally understandable. So um, knowing the work that you do and you being on the ground, Piper, Deja, you always are updating us on, you know, Twitter is a huge platform. And as you both know, it's a way that a lot of people get their news. Uh, it's a lot of a way that people communicate on issues across the world. So the fact that Deja, you, stay so aligned is I think beneficial to what we're doing, you know, with the podcast. So, um, that's all. Definitely. Thank you. Of course. Right. I do. Uh, I think because of what you were just talking about, it kind of uh, leads into. Oh yeah. That was Brittany. She must've got kicked off again. She might be in a oh. bad area. Well, you know what, Deja, but while she's coming back on, you had talked about um um something I I sent you the text with the with the link to it. I don't know if you want to bring that up in the meantime. Yeah. So, um looks like Detroit will breathe filed a federal lawsuit against the Detroit Police Department to stop police violence as well as against um Mayor Duggan and Chief Craig as well as, or I'm sorry, not just the department, but a few specific officers too. So I guess a couple people, <laughs> but 
Um, they're also going to have, um, uh, what is it called? A, um, a council meeting about it, and they're going to air it, just expressing their concerns and the reason for the lawsuit. I read a free or a Detroit news article talking about it, and it basically said that they were suing the police for excessive force during the protest. Um, and it named everything that they did from specific people in the organization that got harmed. <laughs> Excuse me. And Chief Craig basically said that he welcomed the lawsuit because he wanted to sue the sue the protesters for causing all of the disruption in the city and the damage to the police vehicles as well as harm to to some police officers um he also said that he did not want any law lawlessness like seattle to happen in detroit and he would do whatever it takes for that not to happen so i thought that was kind of threatening but yeah I don't know. I don't like it, but I'm not so um I'm glad that they're trying to sue, but I don't I don't know what it'll do and I'm kind of afraid that they won't win because I feel like the law is designed to protect the law. So I don't know, I'm nervous, but I feel like the whole country's gonna be watching. I feel like this will be interesting to see. It's definitely something for the history books. Something that'll be remembered and talked about, hopefully. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot that, um, there's a lot that uh, has happened or transpired over this period of COVID to really advance the fight against police terrorism um in different cities right like we saw already in minneapolis how they are you know working to dismantle their police system and ref and and change and create a different system we saw um in kenosha um how folks burned down that correctional administration building you know um we saw how uh just in different you know in in seattle um how they created the autonomous zone um we've just we've just seen i mean even here in detroit um with black youth project 100 they've created autonomous zones um and i think that the lawsuit I think I agree with you. I think the lawsuit is a good idea because quote unquote, even if they like lose, the point is that it's on the record. And what happens with lawsuits is that you get to go to court. And once you go to court, um, all types of uh, information comes out during that court proceeding process, you know? A lot of fact finding. So even if you quote unquote lose, it's also it's great as a fact finding mission to get a lot of things on record. And um, this is like a war, right? We're at war. So we have to look at each one of these fights as like a battle. 
So even if we lose like different battles, it, it really helps us in the long run, like to win this, to win this war, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So I'm with you. I root them on. Um, I agree with you. It's difficult because it's like the police policing the police, the police investigating right. the police. Like, exactly. Um, the system, you know, no one trusts them. So we'll just send them some good energy, some good yes. <laughs> I applaud them for taking the shot because it's totally worth it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm behind them, you know, 100%. So, um, yes. Well, in the meantime, Brittany's back. So I don't know, Brittany, if you wanted to read your piece that you have. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I'm hoping and praying it doesn't cut off again. I don't know where it left off because I was going in <laughs> and y'all weren't there. So where where did y'all where did y'all hear? Zero. Shut up. Okay. Seriously, yeah. Well, this is um the first piece. Um it's from the NAACP's website. And it says for several years, city officials, researchers, and activists have laminated the police union contracts, have been used to shield officers from discipline and created barriers to the timely and thorough investigation of police misconduct complaints. The NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund has prepared this toolkit to support accountability efforts of activists and advocates nationwide by providing a resource that will then engage them in a police union contract discussion. This toolkit includes a list of questions that member of the public can pose to government officials to determine whether a police union contract in their city contains provisions that inhibit investigations of police misconduct, complaints, or shield officers from discipline. This toolkit is divided into six sections addressing different areas of concern that the LDF has identified through a review of police union contracts in 82 of the largest cities. One, delays in interviewing officers accused of misconduct. Two, on the time periods for imposing discipline on officers accused. I'm gonna read you guys the six, uh, the, like the six uh, parts of this that they're, they're discussing, the six sections. One is delaying in interviewing officers. Two is limited time periods for imposing discipline for officers' misconducts. Requirements that complaints be signed or sworn for removal of disciplinary records from police personal files, five, composition of disciplinary hearing boards, six, the use of vacation or leave in time of lieu of suspension. And then it shows you like kind of sort of the links to the 112 police contracts that they're referencing. So, you know, I kind of was wanted to know what you guys think of this, specifically it coming from the NAACP and then maybe what your thoughts are on that organization historically and is this an evolution or is this something that they're supposed to do is this something that they typically do when things in our neighborhoods start to heat up or if there's a spotlight you know on what's going on similar to what's going on now you can go ahead deja i feel like it's typical um I mean, they always step up and step in when when there's, you know, a big media fire, I feel like. I mean, I know that they do other work, too, but I, I don't know. I just don't trust them because 
I know the government is in their pocket too. So I don't know. Did you want to go? Interesting. <laughs> no, I really want to know what y'all think. I'm listening, Pipe. So I would say, um, number one, is that the NAACP or the NAACP Legal Defense Fund? It looks like it's the uh, legal defense firm because on the website, that's it has the LDF. Uh, so you know, the, it has those letters. So the legal defense fund used to be um, a part of. They used to be. It, it used to be the NAACP's legal defense fund, but at a certain point, uh, y'all can Google when they broke off and became their own organization. Um, the Legal Defense Fund is like a separate organization now. Um, so that is what the fund was made to specifically to do. And that's the specific um, challenge that they've been fighting uh, since their inception. And I mean, the NAACP in general does always show up for police terrorism because police terrorism has been an issue since since the inception of the police right especially against black people and so much of the work of the of the NAACP has been against police terrorism and NAACP itself is a national organization with um, a chapter structure meaning that they have the chapters in um in the different cities and so as an organization structured in that way, some chapters are more radical than others. And so here in Detroit, our chapter tends to be a bit more centrist, more Democrat, more status quo. There are other chapters in other cities who their NAACP looks very different um, than our NAACP. Um, and, and, and then, you know, as you go across the country they'll look a little bit different but yeah uh the defense fund is a it's a different organization and it's it has its own money and it's set up to to handle that specific um issue of police terrorism so um do i trust the NAACP i would say NAACP um is status quo i mean the inception of it it was started by white folks um I think that it's always been a mainstream organization. It's always going to hop on to mainstream causes. With that, I'll say chapter by chapter, you know, um, it, it depends on the chapter leader and, and the chapter membership um, as to how they behave, what they respond to, how radical they get. Yeah, so I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah, it does. I think that uh, both of you guys' feedback was good. Like I said, I wanted to just read you three things, and I really just wanted both of your opinions on them. So that was the first one. The second one is a statement from the Baltimore Ravens. Um, this statement was also written, I'd say, uh, either last week or the week before, so in the month of August, and it's based on the recent um, incidences that we've uh, been discussing all summer, and I'll read it to you. With yet another example of race, racial uh, discrimination with the shooting of Jacob Blake and the lawful abuse of peaceful protester, we must unify as a society. 
It is imperative that all people, regardless of race, religion, creed, or belief, come together to say enough is enough. This is bigger than sports. Racism is embedded in the fabric of our nation's foundation, and it is a blemish on our country's history. If we are to change course and make a world a better place, we must face this problem head on. Act, on, act now to enact position, uh, excuse me, positive change. It is time to accept accountability and acknowledge the ramifications of slavery and racial injustice. So bear with me because there's more. Um, one second. Who, who is saying this, by the way? This is the football team, the Baltimore Ravens. And so they, uh, they put out a statement. I just read you the first half of it. But there's a second half uh, where they, they uh, ask for something. So again, I'll read. It is time to accept accountability and acknowledge the ramifications of slavery and racial injustice. Though we cannot right all the wrongs of our country's history, we can arrest and charge the police officers responsible for Breonna Taylor's killings and the shooting of J Jacob Blake. Demand that Senator Mitch McConnell bring the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act of 2020 to the Senate floor to vote. In qualified immunity, require body cameras, ban chokeholds and no-knock warrants, hold police accountable in court, establish a frame, framework to prohibit racial profiling in federal, state, and local levels, support state and federally mandated CLEA, accreditation and national standards of care and policing, encourage everyone to engage in the political process by registering to vote on both the local and national level. Demand prison sentencing reform that is fair and equitable. Encourage every citizen to act with respect and compliance when engaging with the police. If you feel there has been an abuse of power, we encourage you, encourage you to contact your police department's internal affair. For Baltimore City, dial, they give the number. We will use our platform to drive change now, not just for our generation, but the, for the generations that follow, for our sons, daughters, and for their children. Thoughts? Um, so when was that statement issued? August 27th. And today is the 31st. So that was Thursday. Yeah, or Friday. And then a couple of days ago. And so, um, I'm going to say, I think it's a very centrist approach. Uh, especially with me as an abolitionist, I'm going to just say, I'm an abolitionist. I believe that the entire carceral system, system of policing needs to be abolished and done with. Um, with that, it's a very centrist approach. It's a reformist approach. And I believe that um, the system is was made uh, to harm Black people and there is no fixing the system that you have to abolish the system. With that, I also acknowledge that we're so far deep into the system, we don't have set in place other systems um, to fully take care of our people. And so saying things like abolishing the system scares the pants off of a lot of people. And so <laughs> the centrist reformist approach makes people feel better um what i take issue with with that statement in particular besides all the reformist language is the language around 
teaching people how to respect police. Um, that type of statement is such a privileged statement that comes from a place where people have a belief that the police are doing their job fairly and that if you just be respectful, everything's going to be okay. And we've seen that that is not the truth. So that part of the statement I take huge issue with as well as, I mean, the parts around, the parts that I don't think I really, really heard is the defunding part, <laughs> which takes some of those resources that y'all have, those tanks and those guns and all that surveillance and put it into mental health, um, you know, um, services for folks you know, ways in which people can earn a living so that we have less quality of life crimes, um, programs, uh, training programs, you know, for the so-called demographic that's doing the most, uh, quote unquote, like harmful crimes, right? Um, like where's the investment and the regenerative things that are part of like investing in community, right? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'll put a period there. Like, what are your thoughts, Deja? Um, Piper. Oh, you're on mute, Deja. Let me see if I can unmute you. Um, hello? Okay, now we can hear you. Say that again. Okay, so I feel like um, you hit the nail on the head. Um, I agree with everything that you said. And I did the Ravens say that? Is that the football team? Is it like an NFL team? Yes, it's, a, it's the NFL team, the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Ray Lewis used to play for them. Yeah, so I feel like they can't even really say defund the police. I was su I'm surprised to hear that an NFL team even said all of that, considering you know Colin Kaepernick still doesn't have a job. But yeah, uh, I just feel like it's a crack of crap. <laughs> and um. Yeah, speaking of mental health, did you guys hear about the missing children that were found in Georgia and in Detroit? No, no. Yeah, they found 39 missing children in um, Georgia, and I believe it was seven missing kids in Michigan here. Wow. Um, that is unreal. One missing child is enough. How did they, do you know how they found them? Um, there was a sweep. I'm trying to open the article, but my Wi-Fi is acting up. Um, the headline for this Newsy article that I see says, 39 missing children found, nine arrests made an operation not forgotten. And this looks like a, oh, I don't know. This, that might be the Georgia article too. But this one says 
the U.S. Marshals Service Missing Child Unit in conjunction with the agency Southeast Regional Fugitive, I'm sorry, Regional Fugitive Task Force, the National Center for something. I don't know. I'm sorry, my computer's acting up, but yeah, this is ridiculous. They found missing children everywhere, and I don't know if you guys remember that Wayfair thing a few months ago, but I they, wonder if it was... Oh, yeah. We know what it is, but I don't think people listening know what it is. Um, A couple months ago, if even that, Wayfair got accused of harboring children or basically no not even really harboring but just trafficking children in their um in their chests and everything like furniture and clothes chests trafficking them across america and charging the price for like say a cabinet might be like ten thousand dollars and it's just simple wood and then it'll have the name of a child or someone that's missing for instance and the name of the furniture and then you'll see the same piece of furniture being advertised for like maybe $200, something more reasonable instead of 10,000. So that they busted that. Well, that was really a conspiracy theory, but I believe it because there were so many coincidences about it. But I don't know. I wonder if it's tied to that. And then I also wonder if they'll provide mental health for any of these children. And I already know that social workers are underpaid, but I don't know. I'm just curious to see how the how what the aftercare is going to be for this. Are, Even though I know it won't be televised, <laughs> they will return to their families, or if they were turned into like an institution when they were found. But is there still? Are they still provided? Um, like therapy no i'm just wondering when they found the, the the children did they return those children to their families like to oh, their I'm not parents sure. or does the article say that or not um let's try to load it again let's see because i'm wondering if they return the children to the parents or the families or if they just um, you know, put them in, in, in some sort of foster care or institution when they find them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, for that one to load? It looks, yeah, I'm, I've scrolled down to the middle of it and I see a sentence that says we are working to protect them and get them the help that they need. So looks like that was a sentence from someone in the U.S. Marshal. And do, do they say whether or not they return them to their families or not? Because um, that would really suck, right? If you if your child went missing, and then you couldn't get your child back. I would hope so. It doesn't specify that, from what I can tell. I see the final sentence in here just says, the message to missing children and their families is that we will never stop looking for you. Director of the Marshal Service, Donald Washington, said in a statement Mm -hmm. that was published on August 28th. Just a couple days ago. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, I'm glad that they found them. Uh, I'm gonna send those children lots of love. Um, that's a huge, that's a traumatic experience, uh, what they've gone through. And I really do hope they get the healing they need, you know? Yes. Yeah, me as well. So what, what was, did we hit your third um, article, Brittany? Uh, this is, uh, the title of it is on Revolt. 19 Black families buy over 90 acres of land to create a safe city for Black people. Uh, the oh, name yes. of the, yeah, yeah, I was wondering if you saw that, because some, I think someone sent it to me, it was on Twitter. Mm, I saw it on Instagram, but I was busy at work and I couldn't really get into it, and I forgot about it until you said that. Yeah. It said a group of 19 families purchased almost 97 acres of the land of Toomsboro, Georgia. I'm assuming I'm saying that right. To plant seeds for a thriving new city. Georgia-based realtor Ashley Scott launched the Freedom Georgia Initiative with a friend, entrepreneur, and investor Renee Walters to spearhead the purchase. And an open ed published on Black Tit, Black, uh, Bla how do you pronounce this? Blivity? Scott said it was the tragic death of Ahmad, a young, say it again, Blavity. <laughs> Scott <laughs> said that it was the tragic death of Ahmad Arbery, a young black man who was killed while out for jogging. That inspired her to seek therapy and eventually establish a community in Georgia where black people can feel safe. I sought counseling from a black therapist and it helped, it helped me to realize that what we as black people are suffering from is racial trauma. We're dealing with systematic racism, Scott wrote. We are dealing with the deep-rooted issues that require more than protesting in the streets. It will take for us as people, as Atlanta rapper and activist Killer Mike, so eloquently put, to plot, plan, strategize, organize, and mobilize. So that's what I and my good friend Renee Walters, an entrepreneur and investor, did. Um, it goes on and on, and it looks like you know they're attending city council and zoning meetings. And then they got together with, like they said, with the other families. And then I'm assuming that they put their money together. The article just goes on to kind of discuss like their thought process behind it. Um, uh, so I thought that was, I thought that was really interesting. You know, they have a, you know, goal of, of course, creating food systems and manufacturing and supply chains and schools. And uh, they want to do the whole nine yards. So yeah, I thought that's right. pretty cool. That's fine. That's where, uh, that's where it's at, man. I mean, um, there's an org here. It's called Black to the Land. When I say here, I mean Detroit. It's called Black mm -hmm. to the Land, and that's what they're doing. They're collectively purchasing land to have Black folks have collective land ownership and repurposing. And then with that land, collectively deciding to plant seeds and build schools and all the stuff that we need um and that's a whole movement there's like a whole movement across the country where black folks are just going ahead getting together organizing themselves and like buying land it's happening in idlewild um it's happening i mean it's happening everywhere and i mean if folks want to get down here in detroit is black to the land is doing it um and you know they even have a fund where to help you figure out how to purchase the land in detroit we have something called a land bank and basically it's 
unused property that's not owned. Well, I should say reclaimed property and unused property that's not owned by commercial or private entities. The city takes takes over that, that parcel. Um, some of them have houses on them. Some of them are abandoned. And some of them are lots and it's everything in between. And they're, they're offering uh, those parcels and things for sale at a way less price than the uh, commercial real estate um, market price, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. oh my God, they would have to start doing all this honking in my neighborhood. But um, long story short, there um, is just this movement that's been swelling across the country as an anti-gentrification movement where black folks have just been organizing themselves to um to figure out how to collectively buy buy land and buy land back to reclaim uh reclaim wealth reclaim neighborhoods reclaim dignity so um i don't know if y'all have been seeing it in other cities or in this city at all Yes. yes. Uh, shout out to Creative Minds. Ja- Jazz, I know you know her pipe. She just purchased a, a, a very nice plot of land in Highland Park. And she just, you know, finished her tiny house. And um, that's, you know, where her plot of land is going to be. She's going to do her gardening similar to you. And, you know, there's a there's a lot of good energy going on in Highland Park. I believe the lady's name is her. Her name Mama Shu, the lady who did Avalon Village Piper, or am I mispronouncing yep. her name? Yep. Shout but you know, all that work that she's doing. You know, so you know Piper. You know, Baba Malik ran into him Saturday through you, and D Town Farm. So yeah, I mean, I think that this is what you call silver lining, and I always, my feedback is always like, you should be able to survive and create a space for yourself no matter what's going on. Like you have to be able to find like-minded people and to try to create your own solutions. Uh, understanding all the things that you know we're discussing, right? And so this is cool to see that there's so many of us that are doing that. And I feel like uh, you know, the more we connect the dots, the more powerful we'll be. So it's, I think it's super cool, you know, yeah. us learning how to use our hands and stuff. Speaking of connecting dots, jazz is one of my mentees she was uh one of my first youth in my first youth program at 5e Mm -hmm. um, her and her brothers and sisters were like my first youth program (laughs) so jazz helped me build up 5e and so that those were my first mentees so i just really love seeing jazz like grow and blossom now as an adult it's just like i feel like a proud mama or proud auntie you know that's cool, Pipe. Yeah. What were you gonna say, Deja? Um, just that I applaud all of it. I love the the fact that we're just taking initiative and not waiting on them to give it to us, but giving it to ourselves. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, if folks want to get down, like I said, with that movement. That's, um, I mean, there's different people that are doing it, but I say in Detroit, a, a, a group that's doing it really well is Black to the Land. Um, I like them because they're doing it collectively and it's not with a capitalist 
you know, framework. Because in Detroit, and across the country, but in Detroit in particular, over the years when folks have talked about real estate or purchasing real estate, it's been in a very capitalist framework. So it's been it's been this thing like, buy those apartment buildings so you could flip them or buy those houses so you could flip them, right? Not really right. buy property collectively so that you can mm. a neighborhood and build together, right? That hasn't really been the way that purchasing property and land has been presented in the past in black communities. It's always been on like a hustle, get your hustle on with this real estate thing, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that in this way of folks coming together, looking at how the land benefits more people than just like your own pocket, how it could benefit for generations, things like growing food, helping people create careers, businesses, um, up, up, upskill themselves. Like all of that is, is what we really, really need in our communities. And so, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just really excited, you know, to see it go down. Um, this is a lot of stuff I want to do in my neighborhood, you know, because we, we so much has been taken. So it's just, what are you going to do? Are you going to just go down or are you going to fight? And for me, this is the way I see us fighting is, you know, re we're still fighting for reparations, you know, still going to, yep. still going to protest, still going to sue police, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, you know, still going to have our foots on politicians necks, but at the same time, you know, staking our claim and, and just, you know, taking with ours. And this land is ours. We built this country. We built 100%. this. You know, we built this place. If you go to the White House, that was built by black slaves, enslaved, enslaved people. Built that White House. That means all that knowledge of architecture and carpentry and metalworking and brick um, masonry, like, all of that information of math and science, geometry, you know, uh, it th things like astronomy. If you look at how the city of DC was built, you know, by Benjamin Banneker, a black man, you know, we all, I mean, electricity, right? Um, all these, everything, like the traffic light, like all these things, you know, black people created and were not able to take to, to accept credit for, or to accept the legacy of being able to pass down a patent, you know, to your, to your, the, 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 the benefit of having a patent, right. And being able to pass that down to your lineage, right. So all that wealth that was stolen from us, you know, it's time for us to take that stuff back. You know, like this is what time it is now. So, and all of that goes along with the reparations conversation. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I 100% agree with all that. Um, it feels good to find, to see that we're finding our silver lining in life. And because to me, that's really what it's about. Like you said, still have to hold external forces accountable, but at the same time, yourself as well. And, you know, roll with the energy because it's cool to be around people who want to do the same thing as you. Like, 
you know that more than anybody, Piper. Like when you're around a group of people and y'all have the same interests, it feels amazing. You know, especially when you're talking about improving uh, generational wealth, not just with currency too. You know what I mean? So it's super cool. Well, I know like over here by me, I've been doing research about these parcels. I know most of these parcels are owned by like two or three companies. Mm-hmm. Um, they're selling them for like exorbitant amounts and they're commercial companies, but the zoning is for um, two family resident residences. And so okay. I've just been lo- talking to the black to the land. Cause I'm like, I want to get their support to get some of these companies to like release some of this land, even if they release it into the land bank, you know what I'm saying? So that yep. give people opportunity, you know, to, to have it. So, um, that's part of what I'm working on over here too, is researching these parcels. Cause a lot of these parcels over here are just empty, you know, they're just empty lots. And a lot of these companies might be in China or it might be, you know, truth be told, just people just having commercial companies just sitting on them, you know, mm-hmm. waiting for somebody to come by. But truth be told, like where I live, um, I'm pretty sure no one's going to come over here and build anything ever, you know? Uh, it's just not that type of neighborhood. And everything in the in the neighborhood's been taken away from the neighborhood that it's just not the type of neighborhood that anyone would move to, right? Yeah. And because the city has done this sort of right-sizing or you know, uh, reconstruction of space and created these nine healthy neighborhoods and invested in those, that's where all the amenities are. So that's where they have all the community centers. That's where they have the hospitals. That's where your street lights are, you know, pretty bright. That's where your emergency services work the way they're supposed to work. That's where everyone has a high school. Um, that's where they're building walkable communities. That's where they're fixing the roads, um, widening the streets, um, making uh, the the facades of businesses more attractive. And the rest of us, they're just like leaving us for ourselves. You know, th- those are the neighborhoods that are building up the parks and, you know, all this other, you know, investing in the local businesses. And like over here, you know, we're just, it's just like fend for yourself. And when I've talked to some of the officials and different organizations that claim to help, you know, uh, what I get is folks telling me, well, Piper, you're so articulate and so smart. You know, why would you live in a neighborhood like that? Like you should move. And um, my thing is like, shoot, we own our house and it's paid for. Like, why would I move? Like it makes me to like challenge the power structure to invest because my community is at least 10,000 people. That's just my neighborhood. Okay. And the neighborhood next to mine is like 10,000 people. There's lots of homes. People are in the homes. They're taking care of their homes. Um, There's lots of people around here. So, you know, it's worth investing in. We, I found out we have the highest number of teenagers in the city, you know? So just taking stuff away from youth like that, um, that's criminal, you know? Shutting off people's water is criminal. Shutting off their electricity is criminal. Um, 
our our government and these institutions are just doing things in these neighborhoods to just attack people like like they're at war you know and so it's you know i i just feel that you know we can organize ourselves as a community you know we can reinvest in our own community right like we don't but we're still going to be challenging the government to like step up and and do what it's supposed to do but the more that we can just invest in our own community like i'm i'm just about that life you know what i'm saying um yeah i'll just put like a 100 percent so i don't know if y'all had more topics or if you wanted to put a period right there um say rest in peace to chadwick bosman yeah yes oh man yes yes he um i've just been looking at all of the tributes that people have been writing and just videos, interviews, and, you know, I went to Howard University. He's a Howard alum. And mm. I really loved the movie, but I really loved him in a lot of different roles that I've seen him in. And I'm just like, I guess our beloved creator has more work for him to do someplace else, you know? And yeah. I feel like we've gained a powerful ancestor um and also too you know this cancer i mean my goodness it's just a beast you know it is mm -hmm. i don't know if y'all wanted to add anything yeah i'm just sad to see him go i'm grateful for his work though hello yeah, uh, yeah, I would just say that uh, the same thing that, you know, that both of you were saying. Um, I thought that, you know, some of the lines within that movie are ironic where he kind of addresses that, you know, that, you know, Earth is, you know, not his, you know, death is not, um, you know, the final step, you know, so I thought that that was, you know, very ironic for, you know, him to be saying that then they have footage of him you know, also speaking about, you know, death and just to, you know, I saw a lot of people make a statement that, you know, none of us knew that he was sick. And so mm -hmm. that's a testament to his strength, but then also to the people he had around him, his circle, you know, really? to, you know, to be able to, you know, it's one thing to know that you're going through something and, you know, make a decision that you're going to keep it to yourself and then actually do it. And then, of course, probably trust other people with it. And for it to not that part of it not to become an issue, you know, I'm sure that that probably allowed for him to be even stronger, you know, that he didn't have to deal with the media over something like that, you know. So, you know, rest in peace for sure. I'm glad that we had an opportunity to appreciate him while he was here and that we all saw the metaphor within Black Panther. Some, you know, so would say that it was taken too far, but in context, we look for, we look for movies like that where, you know, it is not portraying us in a particular way, you know, when we're writing a narrative, you know, whether it be a superhero or not. And, you know, just like you said, Piper is remarkable. You talk about James Brown, you know, who in the heck can play James Brown when James Brown is someone that is so <laughs> unique, you know what I mean? Like 
from just his stage presence to, you know, he, he, James Brown samples so much in 90s producers music uh, just because of how uh, unorthodox he was, but at the same time so groovy. And to be able to portray that and to capture that is just powerful, you know, so, you know, truly rest in peace. And, you know, he left a lot, a lot for us to enjoy, you know, for sure. Yeah. I love image, you know, his public image. Um, I love what, you know, even all the roles that he played, you know, he was a great actor and I just love, you know, what, that we have him and his legacy, you know, uh, as a part of our black experience here, you know, um, I want to send a lot of love to his family who is probably missing him right now. Um, you know, send them, I hope their hearts are eased, you know, it's never easy. And, um, yeah, just much appreciation to that talent, you know, um, and 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 to give us a black panther right like it's interesting you know a lot of people had a lot of things to say about that film but for me that's a fantasy movie that's what's supposed to be right you make a bajillion batman movies and stuff and and uh, i'll tell you what they've been playing these clips of that movie and one of the most powerful ones is when he's walking to go meet people and he has his two those two black beautiful black women on his side baby <laughs> how cool is that like two strong I mean, sisters on your side like what like the character like a lot of the lines like you know just that whole movie in and of itself but he he brought a lot to that character you know he he i won't say that he carried the film but i will say he carried the film because i mean everybody in that film was dynamic but i do think that he did carry that movie you know, I think that he made us believe in the Black Panther, you know? When yes. You watch that film, like, you believed that he was Black Panther. You believed he was the king T'Challa, you know? And right. he gave us all something to believe in, you know, for two hours and some and some change. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. It gave me lots of inspiration, uh, both creatively and emotionally. And, um, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate him that film and other and other films that he's done you know where he's brought life to to these characters that you know he just brought a different dimension and so i just really appreciate that appreciate him as an actor in that way so yeah rest in peace yes thanks deja for that thank you deja so i don't know we could like put we could in here what do y'all think That's cool with me. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, just before we go, I want y'all to know today that we're recording at night, it's August the 31st, but tomorrow is going to be the full corn moon. Normally in September, we get our harvest moon, but that harvest moon is not going to happen until October because the harvest moon usually happens around the fall equinox. And the fall equinox this year is gonna happen on September the 22nd. And so um, just uh, wanna acknowledge that tomorrow's gonna be the full moon. So folks, get your intentions ready 
It's going to be a full corn moon. Um, you'll be able to see it. I think it is brightest around 1.30 in the morning, something like that. And, um, you know, get your intentions ready. You know, we're about to, we're, we're still in the days of summer. Um, they call this the dog days of summer, I think. But um, it's about to be autumn. And, you know, we're, embar we're embarking on a new journey through this new season. And so um, just want folks to send folks a lot of uh, encouragement uh, moving forward. So, yeah, I don't know if y'all have, have any last parting words for this episode. No, thank you for that because it feels like that internally. So, like what Deja again was saying about the energy and how it's feeling right now, I'm looking very so much forward to what it is you're describing. So thank you for that. Yes, yes. <laughs> Do you have anything, final parting words for this episode, Deja? Um, no, I'm, I feel like this is a good episode. I'm pretty content. I don't have anything else to add. Okay, cool, cool. Um, well, yeah, this has been the Piper Carter podcast. I'm so glad that we got a chance to, you know, connect with Deja as well as Brittany, two stellar, amazing human beings on this planet that I get a chance to experience this time in life that I'm so grateful for. Um, this is episode 78. We are on Detroit is Different podcast network. You can check out um, DetroitIsDifferent.net for all the other podcasts. You can check all of the social media for Detroit is Different. And also, if you want to check out the Piper Carter podcast um, on social media, you can connect with us. Uh, on Instagram, it's PC.podcast. On Facebook, it's um, PC.podcast for the Facebook page and Piper Carter podcast for our Facebook group. Let us know what you think about this episode, things you want us to talk about. Um, shout out our co-hosts, you know, let us know how we're doing. Tell us what's going on in your city. And of course, tune in to the Piper Carter podcast on all streaming networks, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and, you know, that we're also on uh, iHeartRadio. And so, um, as well as many other uh, streaming services. And so I really want everyone to be safe and blessed until we uh, see you again for the next episode, hopefully next week. And um, happy fall equinox. Peace. Remember to like, Share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify.